I want to direct your attention to this passage of Scripture that we read a moment ago. Paul had been arrested in Jerusalem. The Jews had sought to kill him. In fact, there were 40 men that took an oath. It says, we're never going to eat and we're never going to drink again until we kill this man called Paul. I don't know about you, I'd be careful about making an oath like that, that you're never going to eat or drink until you do something, especially when you're talking about one of God's men. But they took this oath. And the Roman captain who had arrested him heard about the plot, and uh, he, he put together a, a contingent of soldiers and sent him uh, to Caesarea to the Roman governor to protect his, his life. And there, Paul had stood before a couple Roman governors, Felix at first and then Festus second. And then he had a, hear, a hearing with the Jewish king, Agrippa. And at that last trial, when he stood before Agrippa, Festus, the Roman governor, said, Paul, are you willing to go back to Jerusalem and there be tried? Uh, and, and the Jews were trying to get Festus to do that because these 40 guys, I don't know if they'd eaten by then or not, uh, but they were still under that, uh, that vow that they had made to God that they were going to kill Paul. And so they were, they were ready to attack him if they came back. But Paul said, no, I'm not going back to Jerusalem. I am a Roman citizen. He was born a Roman citizen. I have the right to appeal my case to Caesar. And so I take this opportunity. I want to go to Caesar. I want to go to Rome. I want to stand before the emperor. So they put him on a ship. And they were on their way to Rome, and as oftentimes happened in the Bible, uh, when boats were on seas, a storm came up. Uh, and they, they named them, them uh, uh, their, their storms back then like they, we do today, and it was a, a, a mighty storm of wind. They called it Eurachlodon. Now, Dr. Luke, who was the human author of the book of Acts, was on that ship with Paul. He was one of Paul's traveling companions. And in the book of Acts, he describes there in the 27th chapter what was going on. He said the ship was exceedingly tossed with a tempest. He said, we took all the cargo and threw it overboard to lighten the ship. And he said, we hadn't seen the sun or the stars for many, many days. And then he pins what I think is one of the saddest lines in all the Bible, when he wrote there in verse 20, all hope that we should be saved was then taken away. All hope that we then should be saved was then taken away. You see, the captain of the ship had done everything that he knew to do. He had, he had no other actions that he knew to take. The sailors that, were, that served on the ship with that captain were experienced. And they made all the suggestions that they knew to do to get out of the storm. They even enlisted the help of the passengers. Uh, Luke, Luke told us, he said, we ourselves, the passengers, lightened the ship. We, we, took, we threw off the cargo. Uh, we took ropes and put them around the ship and tried to tie it together uh, to hold it. And we, 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 we have done everything we know to do. The captain has done everything he knows to do. The seamen have done everything they, they, they knew to do. And all hope that we should be saved was then taken away. They were tired. They were wet. They were cold. They hadn't eaten for days. 
They hadn't seen the sun or the stars, and they'd finally come to the conclusion, we're going to die. We're doomed. I mean, we're going to, we're going to, we're going to, we're going to, the ship is going to wreck. We're going to go down to the bottom of the sea. We're going to drown. Uh, we have lost all hope. We're going to die. You know, it's a sad thing when a person or a group of people lose their hope. It's a sad thing when they say, it's over, I have no chance of surviving. I've known people that have lost their hope, some of it. I don't think I've ever known a person that has lost all their hope. Because, you see, we as people, we hang on to hope. Uh, we're, we're a hopeful people. I mean, the, the odds may be 99 to 1, but we cling to that 1% and, and have hope. There was a poet that wrote a poem about baseball that said, Hope springs eternal in the human breast. And if you read your Sunday school lesson this morning, the, the author talked about spring training and how every major league team goes into spring training with the hope that they're going to win the World Series at the end of the season. But by the time the end of April or the beginning of May gets here, there's many teams that have lost that hope and no, they have no chance of getting into the World Series. And so Paul and the men that were traveling with him had lost all their hope. Not 95% of it. Not 99% of it. But the Bible says all hope. All hope that we should be saved was then taken away. Now what happens next forms the basis of my message. I've broken it into four parts. And I want to describe to you what happens next uh, to this group of men in this boat that, where, where there was no hope that they would be saved. And then I want to come back and I want to take those four things and apply them to us. And so I only have four points this morning, but I'm going to make each one twice. And so if you're a stickler for math, there's really eight points to my message uh, this morning. But here, here's what happens. Again, in this ship, in the middle of a hurricane, all hope was gone that they should be saved. Here's the first thing that happened. A message came from God. The message was, fear not, I'll save you. The message came by way of an angel. In verse 24, he said to Paul, Fear not, Paul, thou must be brought before Caesar, and lo, God hath given thee all them that sail with thee. The angel told Paul, Look, the ship's going to run aground. It's going to be broken up. You're going to be cast upon a certain island, but nobody is going to die. Everybody is going to be saved. Yeah, you're going to be tossed around some more, and you're going to get a little bit wetter, and you're going to be a little bit colder, and, and, and you're, but you're all going to make it. Not one person is going to lose your, their life. Number two, so a message came from God. Number two, they believed the message from God. Fourteen more days went by. They were driven up and down in the sea. They approached land. They didn't know where they were. They didn't know what island they were, they, they were on or what body of land they were close. But they sounded. They stuck poles in the water. They knew the sea was getting shallower. And so they cast out the anchor to try to grab hold of, of the bottom of the sea. Uh, the seamen, if you read the story, if you read the story, you'll see they tried to get out. 
Uh, they, they pretended they were letting another anchor out when they were really dropping a lifeboat that they were going to get into. Paul realized what they were doing, told the captain uh, of the Roman army, not the captain of the ship, but the captain of, of, of the army said, hey, if these guys leave, we're in trouble. And so the captain of the Roman army said, hey, go cut those ropes. And they cut the ropes and the lifeboat fell into the sea. And so they were all together. And as the day came on, the Bible says, Paul repeated the message from God. Fear not, for there shall not a hair fall from the head of any of you. Now again, I love the promises of God. Not only did he say, hey, you're not going to die, none of you will lose any hair in this experience. Some of us could use that promise today. But anyhow, uh, so in verse 36, then they were all of good cheer. They were all of good cheer because they believed the message from God. They believed Paul's God. Even though they didn't see how they were going to escape, even though they didn't understand how God was going to look at it, how he was going to accomplish it, they believed God when he says, not one of you is going to die. Everyone is going to be saved Don't worry about it. Number three, they were all saved. They were all saved. In verse 37, the Bible says there were 203 score and 16 souls on that ship. There were 276 people on that ship. And in verse 44, it says, And so it came to pass that they escaped all, all safe to land. Not just 273, not just 274, not just 275, but all 276 people that were in that boat escaped to land. And number four, they were saved along with Paul because God had a job that Paul needed to do. They were cast upon an island. On that island, there were some sick people that needed to be healed. God had to get his man there so that he could work through Paul to heal those sick people. There were some people on that island that needed to hear about Jesus. They had never heard the gospel. They had never heard the fact that God's son died in their place on Calvary's cross. And God had to get his missionary, his preacher, Paul, to that island to tell them about Jesus Christ uh, and, and how he could forgive their sins. And so he, he sent a message. They believed the message. God did what he said. And Paul went to that island along with the other 275 people that were sailing with him. And God used him to preach the gospel. People got saved and people got healed from their sickness. Say, wonderful story, preacher. What does that have to do with me? Glad you asked. Let me tell you. There are some here this morning that are in that same kind of boat. You have lost some of your hope. Or you're in the process of losing it. Maybe it's because of an illness that the doctors can't do anything about. Maybe it's because of a relationship that has fallen apart. Maybe it's because of your financial situation. But you're in the middle of a storm... You're being tossed about. 
You've tried everything you know to try. You've exhausted every option you know to take. And it appears that there is no way out, that the storm is going to last forever, that, you're nev- that things are never going to get better, and that you are going to have to live the rest of your life in the conditions that you are in now. I come with a message from God this morning. Just like the angel came to Paul and delivered a message, I have a message for you this morning. Fear not. Fear not. Fear not. We have a God who works his best in hopeless situations. We have a God that is not bound by the possible. We have a God that can save regardless of how strong the storm is, regardless of how strong the wind is. We have a God that can say, peace, be still, and the waves will cease and the wind will die. Some of you here this morning, you need to meet the one that can do that for the first time. You need to let him save you from your sin. You see, the Bible says we're all sinners. There's none righteous, no, not one. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The Bible tells us there's a penalty for that sin. And that penalty is to be separated from God. God's a holy, righteous God. He cannot tolerate sin in his presence. And so when we sin, as we all will, as we all do, he has to separate himself from us. And and that's what the penalty is, to be separated from the one that made us, to be separated from the one that loves us, to be separated from the one that wants a relationship with us. And the Bible says, the Bible says, not me, but the Bible says, there is nothing that we can do to overcome that separation. We cannot be good enough. We cannot do enough good things. We cannot pay a price. There's nothing that we can do to save ourselves from the penalty of sin. The Bible says not of works. Not of works. See, we we want work to be involved. We, we, we feel like we got to do something to get right with God. If we, and we feel, man, there must be something that I can do in my life. There must be a certain amount of goodness that I can do in my life to get right with God. And God says, no, no, no. There's nothing you can do to get right with me. In fact, all your righteousnesses in my sight are as filthy rags. So there's not an amount of goodness that you can do to get right with God. And so you're here from a human standpoint as somebody separated from God, hopeless, hopeless. There's nothing that you can do to give you any hope to getting back to God. There's no no act that you can perform, no goodness that you can count up to say, I have worked my way back to God. But God loved us. God loved us so much that he sent his son, Jesus Christ. He left heaven. He left heaven. And he came to live among us. He faced every temptation and trial and testing that we do. And the Bible says he did all that yet without sin. And then God allowed mankind to take his perfect, sinless son... And put him on a cross. And as Jesus hung on that cross, God took every one of our sins and put them on his son.
Yeah, listen, every one of them, my sin, not in part, but in whole. He put on the Son of God as he hung on the cross. And on the cross, Jesus died for every one of my sins. And he died for every one of your sins. And he offers salvation. He offers forgiveness. He offers righteousness to every person if we come to Jesus Christ and trust what he did on Calvary as the payment for our sin. Fear not. I have a message from God. You may feel hopeless in your sin, but there is hope in the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, a large majority of people here this morning know that. You've already received Christ as your Savior. You've already been set free from the penalty of sin, but you're in the middle of a storm. There's some things going on in your life uh, today. Right now. And you may not be on a ship in the middle of a hurricane, but your life sure feels that way. You're tossed between rocks. The wind is blowing. And you're tired. And you're discouraged. And you're beginning to lose your hope. And you're beginning to say, what's the use? Why should I go on? I might as well just give up. Nothing's going to change. Fear not. Fear not. Fear not. God says, look, and by the way, I remember, Helen, you remember, it's been probably 25 years ago. Helen came to me one Sunday, and she said, Preacher, I've counted the fear knots in the Bible. Do you know there's one for every day? I said, Helen, are you sure? She said, yes, I counted them. There's th- there, she said, I counted 300, and I think you told me there's 367. So there's one for every day, one for a leap year, and then one for another day. And I never did go back and count them, but I believe her. Fear not! A message from God. You don't need to be discouraged. You don't need to lose your hope. We have a God that can work in the middle of a storm. What we need to do is what the people in the boat with Paul did. We need to believe that message. We need to believe that message. If you're not saved, you need to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. You need to believe that neither is there salvation in any other, for there's none other name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. You need to believe that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. He died. He paid the price for your sins. If you believe that and ask him, he'll save you. He'll save you. There's over 100 people here this morning that will raise their hand in testimony of that and say, I believed it. And he saved me. He'll save you. He'll save you. Look, if you're a Christian, you need to believe the promises that are in this book. He promised, he promised that he'll never let more come into our life than we can handle with his strength. He knows what our limits are. And storms come into our life to build up our faith. Storms come into our life so that we learn to lean on him. I want to tell you this morning, I have a message from God. This storm too shall pass. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy cometh in the morning. Believe the message because number three, he will save you. He'll save you. He said, whosoever cometh to me, I will in no wise Cast out. 
Doesn't matter what kind of sinner you are. Doesn't matter what kind of sins you've committed. The blood of Jesus Christ covers every sin. The Bible says, though our sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be like wool. The blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sins. And Christian, morning will come. One day the wind will quit blowing. One day the seas will die down. You may get tossed around some more. You may get a little bit more wet. You may be a little, may be cold for a little while longer. But I guarantee you one day the sun will shine again. It will. Maybe on heaven's shore. But one day the sun will shine again. Why? So that we can serve him. So that we can serve him. There's still people, men and women and boys and girls, that need to hear about Jesus. They need to hear the song that the little one sung this morning. Jesus loves me. This I know. For the Bible tells me so. There's still people that need to hear that he'll save them. All hope was taken away. All hope that we should be saved was then taken away. Good. Good. Now God can work. Now God can do what only God can do. You see, if man could get out of that situation, then God couldn't be God. But it's only when we get into situations that man doesn't know what to do that God can be God. He'll save you. He'll save you. He'll strengthen you. Some of you are wondering, how how, how am I going to make it through the day? How am I going to get through tomorrow? I want to tell you how you're going to get through tomorrow. You can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth you. The fact that he still got you in a storm. I was talking to somebody last night, and I don't know if they appreciated this when I told them this, but I said, the fact that you're in a storm mean that God means that God is still preparing you to do something, means that God is not done with you. Put your head up. The sun's going to shine. Get ready to go to work for God. And that's when he said, bye, preacher, I got to go. But that's exactly what it means. If you're going through a storm, God's got, he's preparing you for something that only you can do. The sun's going to shine, the wind will quit blowing, and then he'll say, get to work. Get to work. There's still men and women, there's still boys and girls that need to hear that Jesus saves. There's still Christians that need to be encouraged that God is a God that keeps every one of his promises and that will never, ever go through the storms alone that he'll always be there with us. Fear not. Fear not. A message from God. We need to believe it. Because he will save us. He will. Because he's got something for us to do. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the truth. Thank you that you put events like this in the Bible that we can read about and we can study. And we can apply to our life and know how great a God you are. I pray for those that are here this morning that don't know Jesus Christ as their Savior. They're in, they are in a hopeless situation this morning because there's nothing they can do to fix it. But Jesus fixed it. 
On the cross of Calvary, he paid for every one of their sins. And if they come to him this morning, trust him, receive him, ask him, he'll save them. And I pray, Father, if there's just one person like that this morning, that they wouldn't let anything stop them. They would come running to Christ this morning and receive the salvation he's purchased for them. And then, Father, I pray for the many Christians that are here. Help us not to ever lose hope. Help us to always know that you're in charge. Whatever comes into our life is there because you want it there, and there's a purpose. You're preparing us for something. You have something for us to do. Help us to learn and then get to work. And so I pray, Father, you bless this time of invitation. Holy Spirit, that you would speak to hearts, that you would strengthen, that you would encourage, that you would comfort. And, Father, where it needs to be done, you would convict. And then we'd respond. We do what the Holy Spirit tells us to do. For it's in Christ's name I pray. Amen.